Hello, listeners. Um, once again, we had an audio error. Uh, in this, uh, the entirety of my audio was not recorded, and only after did I realize that that happened and what was wrong. Um, so, uh, due to the spontaneous nature of the the show, uh, we can't really re-record it, and it would be tedious. Uh, but so what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to salvage whatever audio is there and then I'm going to patch in the gaps with a bit of narration. Apologies for this sudden change, um, but uh, with that out of the way, uh, we can begin. I'd rather have one and not need it than need it and not have one. This is the Entropy Machine. Chapter 4. Supplies This may take some time, Archimedes begins to the gathered assembly. Rosa has hooked him up to a hollow projector at his request. He then goes into a detailed explanation of what his analysis has come up with. The data that has been compiled appears to imply a powerful and vast conspiracy. There are many facets to it and the unwavering rhythm with which Archimedes speaks, leaping from one section of data to another, makes it somewhat difficult to follow. However, the general outline of it is as follows. The NMC, and by extension the WDC, are preparing for some massive project. Though the details are unclear, it appears heavily to involve the Ultranet. Whatever it is, it has something to do with a device or machine that Watley Corp has built, and according to Hunt's data, is possibly beneath the parks. Archimedes theorizes that the Watley Corp project may not be finished as Hunt was attempting to track shipments from the outer colonies to the WDC parks. The exact nature of these shipments is unknown as the Leng Company handles them. Archimedes also notes that the data hints at a secret class above Alpha class. This class, if it even exists, is so lofty that it is not measured by wealth and credit scores but by the power to influence global events. Obvious members are the Corpocracy Board of CEOs, though there may be numerous others. By the time he has walked you through this, the sun is beginning to rise. And all the players make constitution rolls. What do we roll? Well, I failed my constitution check. Okay. I rolled a 47, but my constitution is 65. That means I passed, right? I rolled 27 under 30, so... I rolled a 60, my constitution's 55. After some discussion, the players agree to take a rest. So let's take a break, then? Wait, on the <laughs> that seems fine. I would love a little nap, yes. Let's all have a nap. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming we've already... Uh kind of shared our findings with each other already. They have? Well, because I was wondering, um, wanting to look into hospital records, that'd be through Archie, yeah? Archie? Okay. I like calling yeah, him I... Archie. Yeah. <laughs> it's already happening. Uh, okay. Okay, cool. Um, Alright, Rebus is going to ask Archie about that. Let's see. Okay, a little louder, you said, right? So, um... <clears throat> Alright, you hunk of junk. Tell me. Uh, 
no, you know what? I don't have it yet. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna have. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Have, I'm not gonna have this voice for a while. Uh, I'm gonna have Rebus ask Archie about uh, possible hospital records involving uh, sanitarium records involving Kimoto. Uh, any logs um, in terms of like visiting or anything like that. Just yeah, yeah, just. Yeah, a general sort of picture of his time there. After a brief search, Archimedes is able to locate some data. What remains of Shinji Makamoto? Because it's been many years since Makamoto's internment, his case has been added to the public record, and in fact, his case has had numerous medical studies made of it. The early period of Makamoto's illness is characterized by intense mania and psychosis. For the first several months, physicians are unable to treat him, only sedate him and dose him with ineffective antipsychotics. He spends every waking moment scrawling disjointed phrases and incomprehensible symbols upon the walls and floor of his cell with whatever is available. As time goes on, Makamoto's mental state stabilizes. He is still prone to violent outbursts. He is questioned about his initial incidents, and his responses to questions are evidently articulate and clear. Most doctors attribute his breakdown to the overwhelming pressure from creating breakthrough technology. The final phase of his incarceration is shrouded in mystery. Makamoto is lucid enough to be psychoanalyzed. The sessions were apparently recorded and transcribed. However, as the main sponsor of his research, Watley Corp has claimed copyright on the sessions as Makamoto speaks of various aspects of the design of neural VR. Despite the fact that most tech companies can now manufacture their own VR interfaces, the copyright has been maintained and cannot be accessed without a formal request to the Watley Corp. Or perhaps some skilled hacking. Hmm. Well, that skilled hacking bit sounds interesting, but that is not my ballpark. Did Makamoto have any family or is there any living relatives? The only surviving member of Makamoto's family is one Stephen Cato who lives in Vermont. Hmm. Okay. Um, assuming Watley Corp's uh, files and such are, especially the copyrighted ones, are um, stored, if not on site, then in some sort of, like, their own sort of uh, data storage device hidden, like, Although Watley Corp files are stored in a server elsewhere, they can be accessed through the public site. Okay, okay. Um, I guess what my question was then, I get leading off of that, we, we wouldn't have to be on site at Watley in order to try and access these files. Correct. Okay. Okay. Um... Here's an idea. Uh, hmm. If uh, if you could if you could request these files, why why bother hacking Watley directly? Why not try and find somebody who's got a copy of it and get it from them? Probably be a lot easier than trying to convince Watley or hack Watley directly. Like hack somebody who had already hacked him. Uh, well, somebody who might maybe they requested it legitimately. I like I don't care how they got it, but it's probably easier to get it from someone else if there's already a, a copy or two floating around out there. 
and we find out who has it. Okay. Um, Rebus is going to shamble over to a PIP computer then and uh, to try to use his, well, his computer use skill, <laughs> I guess, to run a trace for files, kind of, uh, files matching what we're looking for. Running a trace, Rebus discovers that Makamoto's file was downloaded by doctors and by one Stephen Cato. Right. Well, I was, I was going to say, in lieu of trying to hack into uh, a, a doctor's um, computer, which, you know, maybe they're a little richer, maybe they're a little more, uh, maybe they have more defenses against that thing. By all accounts, Stephen Cato's a regular man. Uh, I'd like to try to, you said, well, you either get into his computer or, sorry, you said, you said the options are get into his computer or falsify, so, or falsify his credentials and then access it from Motley directly. Is that, are those the, okay. Can I, am I, okay. Am I able to get one of my hacker buddies to do, to try to do one of those things while I do another, another one of those things? Okay, cool. Uh, Rebus is going to bug Fox about trying to uh, get into one of the doctor's files. Uh, and I'm going to try to falsify Stephen Cato's. Can we just email him? Like, hey, we're, we're investigating. Hey, we're some We're mystery. a random band of assholes looking at, <laughs> looking for, looking for information about your family. I, I don't know. Oh, we'd be I, like, hey, uh, we're investigating a disappearance that is similar in circumstance to. Yeah, no, this is already too long. Never mind. What if he's on the? What if he's on the pay? That's a good one. Um. <laughs> You can try researching... Wait, wait, guys, guys. Why are we researching some crazy person's 100-year-old VR system? We're, we're trying to find a man who's gone missing in caves, guys. We really need to get on that case. That's we're wasting time here, guys. Rebus doesn't even look up. He just, like, grumbles. Um, it's, it's, it, he doesn't turn around, but you hear him speak. He's just like... Okay, I'm going to try this again. Obviously, it's all connected. Connected? Connected? No, man. We, we got a missing case. We're researching a hundred-year-old technology. That doesn't sell, okay? I'm chasing a new story here. You guys are chasing some crazy person's VR system that drove him insane. That doesn't sell, man. We're looking for a missing person inside the the Walt Disney Parks. That's a story right there. Like that's that's something we can act on and we can probably find a live and then, you know, make, get, get some fame out of that. Like why, is why, it? why are we researching this? Yeah. Is that a story? People go missing in those parks all the time. Archimedes chimes in. Technically, according to WDC press reports, no one goes missing within the parks. For if they were within the parks, then WDC security would be easily able to locate them. Okay, but listen, listen. All these people that are going missing, they're all crazy 
they're all just crazy guys looking for random stories. I'm an NMC reporter, okay? My word has, you know, weight with the people. Could have fooled me. We get in there, we get a camera, wow. we go in there, action style, we shoot this guerrilla style, we make a story out of it. I don't want to shoot. This is the case. Well, if we go in the end. He started halfway through Julian talking. Of my computer use, roll below three quarters. 90, so I need to roll below a 75, essentially, or right. a 70. Okay. Okay. I thought the lower was the better, so it would be like under 35, right? Well, that would, no, that would be one four. Before you fuck me over, oh. I already roll. Before Julian fucks me over by making the DM make the roll harder, um, <laughs> I rolled a 60. I rolled a 60. <laughs> awesome. I'll uh, download that onto uh, both my thing and Archie, my mobile device and Archie. The uncovered files reveal disturbing data. During the final phase, Makamoto went through a veritable revolving door of doctors. Therapy sessions would last a few days before the doctors would quit. His final doctor, who managed to remain with Makamoto until his release, Dr. Vernon Suresh, explains in notes that Makamoto exhibited strange knowledge. He was able to, with frightening precision, describe details and events of which he could have no knowledge often revealing the personal information about his therapists. The other reason the doctors were reluctant to remain on board was that Makamoto described his delusions with such clarity and acuity that they began to believe it themselves. There are well over a hundred recorded therapy sessions with Makamoto. Dr. Suresh outlines the details of Makamoto's perspective. Makamoto believed that in creating the neural interface, he had broken down the barriers between the human mind and objective reality. He believes his technology is the means by which some nebulous force will overtake the world. Dr. Suresh's final summary of the case cites the final therapy session. So, Shinji, you are being released soon. Are you excited? Uh, yes, I'm thrilled. Before you go, I have some final questions. Please, ask away, Doctor. What is the entropy machine? Is it your invention? I wish I could say yes. The machine is to be built by minds and hands greater than mine. As to what it is, well, that will depend upon who uses it. You say that it is not yet finished, but you can hear it? Oh yes, Doctor. Everyone can hear it. Most don't. But if you listen to the silence between sounds, you can hear it. It's just a hum right now, but it will be finished. Which is the same as saying, it is finished. What about this creature you described from your dreams? This, uh, Cthulhu? You must be careful, Doctor. Words are power in our world, and saying the word that is his name gives them a foothold in our realm. 
When you were first committed here, you couldn't stop saying it. Cthulhu is coming. You wrote that on your cell, do you remember? In my own blood, yes? I recall. I'm afraid I was mistaken. How so? To say Cthulhu is coming is nothing more than a limited human phrase. He does not see things as we do. His vision is broader, transcendental. What is time to that which is dead but dreaming? He shares his vision with me. Even now the four harbingers cross the threshold of the gate and descend into Shibalba. They speak with the man of dreams and stand in awe before the dark wheels of the machine. No, Doctor. Cthulhu is not coming. Cthulhu is here. He always has been, and always will be. It is us that are going to him. Suresh closes his notes by saying that although Makamoto's delusion persists, he appears to be stable and no danger to anyone or himself. He writes, Makamoto's release should be a cause for great celebration, the triumph of an uphill battle, and yet I cannot shake the feeling that all of us here at the sanitarium are but witnesses to his recover. What frightens me most is not that I have released a madman into the world, but that Makamoto is entirely sane. I will end it there, or the humming of my computer is giving me an intolerable headache. Makamoto does not appear for any follow-up appointments, and simply disappears without a word. Right. Rebus... He holds his hand up to the computer, turns around and looks at Juliet and says, There! Connected! See? Connect is the ramblings of a madman. Entry! A, a Kalulu? What the hell is a Kalulu? No, 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 no. I'm not even chasing ghost stories, man. I heard what the doctor said. It wasn't like he was a madman. Whatever he was saying, I mean, it's not... Ugh, yeah. We've come across these terms before. Okay, all right. Let's go ghost hunting in the parks then, I guess. Let's, you know, instead of going after hunt, the guy who's paying us, you know, the system that's paying us to find this guy. I mean, isn't this what Hunt was hunting? Like, he, you'd think that he'd be near it. Yes, we, we know where he went. We should be going there. Exactly, yeah. Oh, no. We can still do all of this at the same time. We've already split up before. It's not like we can't do it again. I'm not saying we don't go to the park. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying that I think we're arguing over nothing. I think that we're all wanting to go to the same place to to look at the same stuff for different reasons and. All of it means we could just go go together in the meantime and find what we find. Fair enough. I'd rather not go to the park alone. Yeah. I just thought that a reporter would like. I just and he stops. He's trying to get he was trying to get a burnout and it doesn't work and he 
shakes his he just shakes his head because he's not very good at talking and and yeah. Revis.exe has stopped responding. Abort, retry, ignore. <laughs> don't try. Don't. I mean, sorry. Don't send. Um... <laughs> All right, I'm done. Upon the conclusion of their discussion, Archimedes deposits a thousand credits to each of their accounts. Rebus, of course, has several burner accounts which he hides his credits in. Well, don't we need to rest? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the team agrees to rest at the PIP offices. Rosa gives them access to the break room where they all sleep. Perfect. Re Rebus shambles in, and he doesn't. he doesn't lie down or sit down, he just hits a little button on the back of his head and his whole body just sort of slumps. But he's standing still. <laughs> we don't have to plug into the wall or something? No? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. He plugs into the wall. I love that. He's, we're going <laughs> to test one. Plug him in a little bit, yeah. <laughs> During his sleep, James has a dream. He is in the Wonders of Life Pavilion at Epcot. It's strangely dark and quiet almost silent. Before he has any chance to acclimatize, a small figure emerges from the dark, holding a lantern. It's Buzzy, a small, childish animatronic who went missing in the 21st century. I, I, feel, I feel like my response given this thing would be like, oh my gosh, it's Buzzy. Like, we, f we, we found Buzzy. And, hi, where, where have you been? They talk briefly, exchanging pleasantries. Buzzy's face grows dark, and he holds the lantern aloft. Only now does James notice how effectively Buzzy's soft, plasticine face portrays fearful dread. I have a message for you from Walt, Buzzy says. Clulu is coming. And the darkness and silence within the pavilion begin to writhe. James awakes with a start, the memory of this nightmare already fading. Shit. Okay. Uh, uh, oh. Okay. All right. All right. Uh. Uh. Do you have a dream that you were drowning? No, no. Buzzy was there, and like, but why? Gosh, it was a nightmare. But Buzzy was there. Why was was he wearing clothes? He was, but like oh, his face that doesn't sound like Buzzy. His face was like good, like too good. Like that's not that wasn't an animatronic. That what? Oh my gosh, dreams are the worst. We had a dream about a real life Buzzy. Apparently, horrifying. Like an animated movie that Disney remade. <laughs> Oh, God, I'm glad they never tried that. Yeah, that would be terrible. Having rested, the investigators then discuss where they plan to go next. To the parks? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, how... I know we were... I think it was two sessions ago when we were looking into, like, all of Hunt's uh, stuff and all, like, the urban explorers and anything we could in terms of Animal Kingdom. We concluded that we'd have to enter through the park, right? There wasn't... They agree that Old Animal Kingdom is probably the best bet. Of course, the only way to Old Animal Kingdom is through the parks. 
Julian makes a pertinent observation. Wait, don't we okay, cool. get supplies if we're gonna go spelunking through caves and stuff like that? We're just like walking around. Well, in our well what would they? What would they let us take into the park? Like, are there? <laughs> By WDC like, if we were to quick, water, if we were to do like, <laughs> yeah, if we were to do like a quick, like, oh, just check the website or something for like a list of like what you can and can't take into the park. Is there something like that we could quickly? Okay, so to, so to kind of re, re, relay that a bit in character, uh, the the gun's going to be a problem, but uh, uh, the the drone, like you can you can bring that in, but you can't use it unless you talk to them first. Uh, so you'd probably have to like give a reason for why you wanted to, but like photography and stuff is a pretty good reason, and you're chasing a story like that, you you might be able to pass something off like that. Uh. This this is this is a a world building thing a uh, question rather. Uh, Rebus has been inter interfacing with things with his arm. Um, I'm kind of having it that like oh that's his multi tool. because um, I work for NMC. Could yeah. I just come up for a way for all of us to get in? Like they're part of my crew and we're doing an uh, an exhibit on the new ride, and that's what we got. You know. Uh, an android that can work the cameras, a drone, an antiquarian that can talk about it. Can we play it off like that? We, we, we can try at least just pretend we're all part of, uh, yeah, like a, like a recording crew for NMC and we're just doing like a, like a something for one of the new rides. I don't know, James, you're the expert on the WDC rides and stuff. Oh, okay. So yeah, so it's giving a reason for having the drone ready, and it's well, we could all go in as like we're doing a film shoot, like about whatever their latest ride is, like a propaganda piece, something that yeah. they will be like, oh yeah, we definitely want this, and I got NMC credentials, and that way I can sneak in other things, you know. Sure. I, I like I like that idea, and I think like if we, especially like that, we could use that to get ourselves access to some of the older stuff. And like say like we're like leverage it as like a uh, we're we're trying to get the history behind the newest stuff. You can't you can't know what's what's so great and new about what's coming and what's latest without knowing the history of what came before it. So you kind of gives us an excuse to to get to some lower places maybe as well. I love it, James. I love. The investigators feel that now is probably a good time to grab supplies. The plan is to purchase spelunking equipment and then hide it in camera bags. Julian gets media credentials so they can pass as NMC crew members. Before they leave, Julian talks Rosa out of following them. She agrees to stay behind. For now. They locate the necessary stores that are en route, uh, and their first stop is at a store called Boots and Stuff. You need boots and you need stuff, so come on down to Boots and Stuff. Boots and stuff. You can't boots rhyme and boots and stuff, stuff with boots and stuff, and stuff, and stuff, and stuff, stuff you stuff hack. <laughs> there is some discussion to what can be brought in. Obviously, no weapons are permitted, and only anyone with cybernetics is permitted to carry a multi-tool. Boots and Stuff is a specialized outdoor activity store selling necessities for a remote or wilderness exploration, similar in nature to a pro-base shop from the 21st century. 
Re Rebus would probably get that one so he could hook, up, hook it up to his arm so he wouldn't have to worry about holding on to it. But I mean, I feel like it, we could really just grab whichever. From boots and stuff, Rebus purchases a grappling hook, which he can mount to his robotic arm. Some flares, devices known as glow balls, which produce light when squeezed and have adhesive properties allowing them to stick to surfaces. He also purchases a sonic emitter, a device designed to repel wild animals, though it has been proven to be equally effective against humans. He also buys a hunting scope and a sonar mapper, which is a device that uh, uses sound waves to map a certain area, as the name implies, uh, create a, a 3D rendering of, of the environment. Uh, Julian purchases 36 glow sticks, a cheap grapple pistol, and a night vision visor. Julian also purchases some handheld climbing spikes. Just two things you hold, you stab into the wall, and they help you climb. Night vision, yeah. Something like climbing access, you know, like in Tomb Raider, she has those two things. Boobs? Yeah, the climbing axes that she has. That. Oh, is that what we're calling them? Okay. <laughs> Isn't it called a climbing axe? <laughs> no, I no, think we're, that, making, yeah. we're making a boobs joke. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> it's okay, Tyler. I, 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 I picked up on it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, did you see the polygons on, on the N64? Those were very sharp. Ooh. That's the perfect Climbing axes. Right um... Or like the lady in Alien vs. Predator, uh, when she's climbing the Ice Mountain. Yes, yes, yes. Called Ice 500 Pet. points, do you remember her name? It's Alexa. Name any character from Alien vs. Predator. Yeah. Predator. Alien! <laughs> <laughs> James acquires an infrared visor. I, ha I have something in the back of my head that they use infrared a lot in the parks for uh, like cameras and stuff. We'll use infrared lighting to see. Uh, they use that on some of the rides and stuff like that for like trip beams and things like that. Being able to see that going on would be super helpful. And more glow balls. Eh. Cool. They're also a, um, what's it called? Seismograph, something that can detect like vibrations. David purchases a hazard scanner, an advanced device which monitors the environment for possible threats, radiation, biohazards, gas leaks, seismic activity, etc., etc. Uh, before leaving, Julian makes a plea to Rebus. Can I use Persuade on a teammate? <sighs> like, if I were to go to Rebus, like Rebus, my good buddy Rebus, of course. We've been on so many adventures together. Remember the silverfish? Those were crazy. That, I that, do. That was, yes. time. That was good <laughs> the time. one adventure. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, we're going into a spark. I'm putting a lot of attention on myself. I was wondering mm -hmm. if in one of your robotic parts, you may have a container or something where I can sneak something in <laughs> the size of a gun. Rebus does, in fact, have a secret compartment in his robotic leg which is currently being used to store weed. <gasps> oh no. He didn't tell me up until now? <laughs> okay, and Julian has small, well, delicate hands, so the gun can't be that big. Um, no, it's a little hand gun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rebus, 
Rebus looks over at him, just kind of quirks a brow, and um, fifty credits. You're <laughs> gonna charge me? I thought we were friends, Rebus. How could you? After all, after I saved you from the <laughs> silverfish. I'm taking. Well, one that that's not how that happened. Two. I'm taking two. I'm taking uh, a, a very large risk on carrying your property because you are unable to hide it. It's to protect us, man. Forty-five to help credits. You and me. Ah. All right, you bastard. Here, here. I'll give you twenty-five <laughs> now. The rest after we survive this thing. How about that? Fair enough. Fair right. enough. He like. He, he taps his leg, it makes this horrible... Thank you, Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> he taps his leg, it makes this horrible metallic grinding sound, and like a little thing opens up, and the stench of weed kind of <laughs> comes out as well. You're doing this in the middle of the store, right? Yeah, true. We should yeah, yeah, of the course. Car. The team proceeds to their second stop at a nautical-themed camera shop called II Cameras. Camera is a loose term that is used to describe any sort of advanced image scanner. Whether it captures holograms or high-res 2D images, they even have some antique cameras, which use photosensitive chemicals to capture an image. The store is made to look roughly like the interior of a wooden ship. Various paraphernalia like diving suits, anchors, rope, old submarine windows and the like decorate the store. They even sell some knickknacks at the checkout. Model boats, captain hats, sailor hats, anchor pins, and so on. There are several mounted animatronic fish throughout the store which provide assistance to customers and sing. It does fish talk It's beautiful. <laughs> Hello. Hello, customers. Is there anything I can help you with? Yes, we're looking for cameras and microphone equipment. Fish. Cameras and microphones are located in aisle 7. What's your name? <laughs> My name is Fish Unit Designate 812. It's <laughs> a nice name. The team debates whether actual cameras are needed to complete the deception. Do we need we're the cameras? I thought we were just buying the bags. Yeah, we were just like, the cameras are supposed to just be a ruse. Yes, but they don't really need a camera. It. Yeah, no, we need we need something to pretend that we are what we are. We're gonna walk through a whole park, kind of pretending to be shooting a segment. We need, we need equipment, whole... even if it doesn't work. We just need I something. The whole point was that we were like, sorry, I, I whispered the following sentence. I thought the whole point was that we could use like our data pads to film this kind of stuff. Like most people do anyways. The whole point was that, yeah, we're a camera crew. Look at our bags full of cameras. These are what camera people look like. Yes, but in case they open them, we should have something in there. Even if it's all broken equipment, just something. It can, we can just say we're cameramen and then walk in there with like, I don't know, graphic oh, no, books that we're about to heist something. But we are already going this route. I mean, how much harder is it going to be for me to convince people to let us in if they decide to open the bags and it's just full of grappling? We have we have media uh, badges, and, and they, these people. Around. Well, these people also don't necessarily know what a camera looks like, like That's like took, taken apart. I mean, like if we if we can if they open the bag, you can, we can still theoretically bluff them. 
but I mean, I have a drone camera that I can use to record and stuff. But I'm just saying, uh, just for the sake of the facade that we're putting on, we, we should bring something. I, I wouldn't want us to just wing it, show up there and like, how, how are we going to pass on ropes and glow sticks and sonar sensors as camera equipment and stuff? It's all part of the bit. Like we're we're doing we're doing a, a gag. It's it's a yeah. We're trying to make something that people want to watch. So we're, we're we've got like like we've got glow sticks and stuff for for the rave bit. We've got uh, the the roping. With... I mean, like, putting, yeah, exactly. Reputation on the line with you guys. <laughs> uh, okay then. In the end, they settle on purchasing one hover case and one roller case. <laughs> no, but seriously, the hover one sounds nice. I don't know, guys. Like a big one to hold everything. I want to buy a sailor hat. <laughs> I want it. I want a sailor hat. I want Rebus to wear like a nice hat. I want the I want the captain one, the one that makes you look like yeah, the Titanic captain's hat one. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> Perfect. Is there like a skill check I have to do for Julian to roll his eyes really hard? <laughs> he rolls. He rolls a one hundred. His eyes plop out. His his, his skull. Literally. <laughs> uh, Sailor hat. Perfect. I'm, one I'm, of each I'm actually makes one. sense to me. That's oh, not a yeah. bad idea. But we need two of each. Oh, because there's four of us. But I mean. Because you said that all of our equipment would barely fit into one, so let's get two. Two hover ones? We gotta have room for souvenirs, guys. No, we... What? <laughs> I need my WDC hat. We gotta have room ears, to bring you know? stuff back if we find anything worth taking. On the loot? Okay. Oh, you mean stealing. I mean taking. Right, the souvenirs! Gosh. Wink. You say uh, wink out loud, or... No. Yes. So I, I have I have language city speak. I'm pretty sure that that I'm just used to souvenirs being the the phrase for th something you take from a store. And I, I'm just talking like that, and everybody's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Right, please, okay." So one hover, one not hover. Yeah, I'm good with that. Having completed their supply run, the investigators embark on the final leg of their journey. They take James's hover car to their last stop, the Parkstone. When the sun is directly above it, and it is not hidden in the shadows of adjacent megastructures, it can be seen from orbit. Quite clearly, a fact that marketing repeats several times. As you pull your hover car closer to the outer wall, towards the entrance of the parking bay, the dome looms blackly against the smog-filled skies. As you draw near, there is a sort of dull humming coming from the park. It is a cacophonous mixture of sound, music, chatter, and mechanical movement. As you get closer and closer, it seems almost as though the sound is going to break through the walls of the hover vehicle. And then you pass into the parking structure, and the sound quickly dies away. Much of the outer wall is composed of parking lots, giving the wall its thickness. A communication alert appears on the dashboard, Mickey Mouse is calling. Do you wish to accept? Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, I, I, I'm very used to this. I accept that. Yeah. Mickey appears on the view screen. Welcome back, annual pass holder. We need your permission to initiate auto dock procedures. If yes, say auto dock. Or if you want to drive your car to the parking spot, say manual. Auto dock. Thanks a bunch. Initiating auto dock procedures. The mouse exclaims. There is a humming as the system syncs up with the car's gravimetric frequency. The car then begins to move on its own and is carefully maneuvered into an alcove, where it comes down softly onto a parking pad. In section four, platform B252. Written down. <laughs> the parking pad has a small post next to it, which lights up and exclaims in Minnie's voice, Oh, you're here! Just sit tight, and a gondola will be there soon to take you to the nearest gate. Even takes a nap. <laughs> no, no, we're gonna get our story straight, guys. Roll a d6. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 li li listen, get around, guys, because we're, we're a team, all right? So just let, let me do the talking. Uh, <laughs> James, I'm interviewing you in there. Rebus, mm -hmm. my camera guy. David, I'm interviewing you in there too, all right? If anybody asks. Sure. That's our cover. So story. I have to carry everything. Yeah, you don't look very good on camera, my friend. So, yeah. Wow. This is our crew. Guys. He doesn't even want to be, so fuck him. <laughs> sure enough, after a few minutes, a squat, wide-windowed hover vehicle floats down and opens its doors and extends a small ramp. Use ramp. <laughs> e. <laughs> Which park are you going to? Asks the gondola in a soothing voice. I guess Animal uh, Kingdom, right? The gondola starts moving with a dull hum. The windows turn dark, tinting into near blackness. Then one of the windows lights up like a view screen. And that familiar figure in his clean suit, distinctive mustache, and warm smile appear. He appears to be in an office. Hello, and welcome to my parks. I'm Walter Disney, but you can call me Uncle Walt, he says with a wink. Now I see you're on your way to Animal Kingdom. It's a fine choice. Before we arrive, let's review some of the general rules. All guests are required to wear their magic bands while on park property. If you lose your band, head to Guest Relations and they'll get you a new one. Number two, stay out of areas that are off-limits. This includes areas above your citizen class and cast member-only zones. Please listen and follow any directives given by cast members and especially security forces. Have fun. And remember that every 1,000 credits spent here at the park goes towards an economic stimulation commendation which can be used to help upgrade your citizen class. Now. We're almost at the front gate. I just want to personally thank you for coming to the WDC Parks. If you get a chance, come stop by my office at Epcot and enjoy your stay at the happiest place in the solar system, where all your dreams come true. And with that, the transmission cuts out, and the windows slowly fade back to their clear state, revealing the entrance to the Animal Kingdom Gate. The first thing you notice is the sky. A gleaming, clear blue sky, unobscured by looming towers or smog. The air smells clean and crisp. 
Guests come to and fro from the park, chattering inanely. You hear the occasional shriek of an excited child. A crowd is filtered into a line towards the gate, a massive, ornate series of booths made of wood, or imitation wood, carved in the likeness of dozens, maybe hundreds of animals, flowing into one another, with the holographic letters of Animal Kingdom floating above the booths that change between animal skins and patterns. Our investigators speak with a cast member who directs them to get magic bands from the ticket booth. The cast member explains that because they don't work directly for the WDC, they still have to purchase tickets. They briefly discuss which tickets to purchase. So this is, again, something I would, my character would probably know this, but I just don't. Why is a park jumper five times more than a day pass when there are only four parks? (laughs) Disney. In the end, they purchase some day passes. What color magic bands would you like? The cast member asks. Gray. Cool gray. They must then proceed through a security gate, which will scan them in the contents of their bags. Well, we have to go and we'll explain, right? It's gonna set off all the alarms, but we'll explain. Oh yeah, you said you were gonna sweet talk everybody, right? I hope I can, but yes. (laughs) That's, uh, yeah, we'll go through, and then once the, the beep sounds, I'll explain. They pass through, and the cast member near the gate, motions for them to stop. A few moments later, a security officer comes round carrying a data pad. You've got some strange things in those cases. Care to explain, he says. Uh, yeah, we're uh, NMC reporters. We're going to do a sort of piece on, on the new park exhibits. It's kind of this fun, trophy piece, so we got some equipment in here to do some skits, stuff like that, bringing park awareness. Uh, no, nothing dangerous, nothing you guys need to be concerned about. Uh, you guys should have heard that we're coming, right? Like my company called ahead. Yeah. Wait, what was it? Seven. Uh, What's your number? Eighty-six. Oh. Okay. Oh. Yeah. The security officer leers at them for a moment. He then turns to the cast member who stopped them and waves them through. After all the transactions are completed, the flow of the crowd urges you forward. The park is just behind a series of short posts where the guests tap their magic bands, which light up and jingle. The park sign was visible behind the booths, but now, as you pass under it, do you truly appreciate how large it is? shadow of it passes over you as you tap your band and the cast member smiles and greets you. You step out from the exquisite canopy and feel the warmth of the holographic sun. You look out at the crowd moving into the parks. The glare seems so bright you have trouble focusing and then time seems to slow. It reminds Rebus of the anesthesia they gave him when he went in for his cybernetics upgrade. Sound fades. The murmur of the crowd becomes the distant tinkling of broken glass. It's so bright. Everything's gone white. And suddenly, you are alone in a boundless and silent white space. Then you hear a faint humming behind you. You turn, almost 
involuntarily. Or maybe you are always facing it. Before you are three massive rings, impossibly entwined and spinning with a rumble that you feel deep in your core. Everything goes bright and then dark. You slowly regain your senses. It's cold and the ground is hard beneath your feet. Your eyes slowly adjust to the soft, phosphorescent glow coming from scattered places, and you realize you are deep within a cave. And that is where we end this session. Thank you for listening to The Entropy Machine. The sound effects you heard in this episode came courtesy of Zapsplat.com. The voices of the Entropy Machine are Alex Gomez, Ben Harris, Tyler Mann, and Lucas McDonald as the investigators, and some random pillock as the keeper, I don't know. If you enjoy the show, consider subscribing. And we will see you in the next chapter. And remember, Clulu is coming. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Shopping trips take forever. Oh my gosh. Tell me about <laughs> it. Yeah, we did progress here. Yeah.